your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom in the studio. Because I'm not in the studio, it's always kind of, wait a minute, I'm not in the studio. And in studio is Grant Bills loading up that Facebook live stream uh, a little later in the show. Probably nine minutes, nine minutes. Andrea Schnick with the City of Lacrosse is going to talk to us about some development plans and the small business loan program and uh, whatever else we can dive into. Uh, but first, uh, the decision, and if you want to check it out on wisdomnews.com, by the DMV to allow you a to allow you to get your driver's license without having to go to the DMV is something that I think we we could have done at the beginning of the internet or maybe the beginning of uh, photo identification through a computer or <laughs> however once film was eradicated and not like literally eradicated but rendered obsolete and we started to go to digital is the the day that the DMV should have said yep you can renew your driver's licenses online. You do not have to come here anymore. And we would have all been very much happier and probably saved years of our lives waiting for in waiting in line at the DMV. On the on top of that, the DMV is also allowing 16-year-olds, I guess, kids that haven't had haven't gotten their driver's license because they can't take a road test. They're allowing them to get their driver's license. Just here you go. Have it. You can have it. Uh, which kind of seems funny, and yeah, because the the road test is the thing that you have to pass. We need an expert to tell us, but really, like if our parents are good with us having a driver's license, right? Because they're they're usually the ones, you know, parents, maybe an older brother or sister, uh, a guardian. They're they're driving us around on our temps, right? I forgot the phrase. Told, oh yeah, temps. They're driving us around on our temps. Allowing us, teaching us how the rules of the road. So if we're good being in the car when they're driving, do we really actually need to go through the driver's test? Grant, how did you do on your first ever road test? I killed it. I only had to do it once. I killed it. There was a moment where I, I, I there was a car that was stopped in front of me and I saw the car a little late. So it got close to getting dicey. And, and I think, I don't know if all DMVs are like this, but I guess the rule is if the instructor has to like speak up or or like or or get involved then it's an automatic fail that's the thing about driver's test you're not really worried about the points the only things you need to be worried about is is what automatically fails you because if you forget a signal here right and you forget to check your blind spot once you get like 4 points off and you're fine what you need to remember is you got to avoid the automatic fails so like i was close but i saw the car in time I stopped and it was it was fine. I got it on my first attempt. A lot of my friends didn't get it on their first try. It was like I felt like my friend group was like I don't know sixty forty. Like it wasn't a, a great shot. The odds weren't uh, weren't overwhelming to get your driver's license the first time. Yeah, what uh, Christina Boardman told Brad today from the DMV is that ninety eight percent of young drivers. I don't know exactly what young drivers means, but they all pass their driving test on the first. Or second try. So, yeah, but what is the uh, percentage for the first try? That's what I want to know. Maybe Brad has that, and he just didn't include it in the story. We should ask him during the news. But uh, So my first ever driver's test, and if anyone wants to call in 
Uh, we don't have. If you want to call in after the conversation with Andrea Schnick, Schnick and give us your 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 first ever driver's test story, it'd be great. If you have a you have an interesting one, if you have a boring one, then you know, like Grant's, that was pretty boring. I, uh, I tried to <laughs> I tried to dress it up like I almost rear-ended a car. I could have, but I didn't. That's about right. as entertaining as it got. But if you guys have an interesting, even if you're you know if your kid had to go through one and they maybe they're relaying the story, or if your kid you know hasn't been able to get his driver's license, like my nephew Cole. He hasn't been or my nephew Chase. They, I get those names messed up all the time. Uh, he's gonna be. He's a happy boy today, I'm sure, because he's gonna be able to get his driver's license. So the day that I took my test, um, my my friend, my good high school friend, was also taking his test that day a little later, and I took took my driver's test with a woman, and going going down the whatever the back streets in Appleton. All of a sudden, I look in my rearview mirror, and there's my friend. And he's laying on the horn and waving at me and just ha ha and he's just going crazy. And he didn't he didn't realize that I was actually taking my test. He thought the woman in the car, the the driver's instructor, he thought that was my mom and he was just trying to like say hi or whatever. And I'm like freaking out. Uh, so that was one incident during my driver's test. Uh, another one was where I I, I had to parallel park, but they didn't. She didn't have me parallel park between two cars. I just had to get up next to a car and then back back in without a car behind that car. So I didn't have to squeeze in between the two cars, which is the, kind of the whole point of parallel parking is can you squeeze between two cars without hitting that car behind you and then getting close enough to the curb? We all know that. Why am I explaining it? But I didn't have to worry about a car behind me, but I didn't know that there were garbage cans behind me. So when I backed up to parallel park, I backed over these garbage cans. and not, I don't remember if I knocked them over. I must not have knocked them over, but I definitely hit them. And then just parked, and uh, I guess she was good with it because she let me pass. I also didn't apply a brake going through an uncontrolled intersection. So I feel like I had at least two maybe automatic fails there, Grant, but I, but I, she, let me get, she let me pass anyway. That's the thing. My experience at the DMV was very intimidating. Like the two men that did road tests, like I, I kind of got the rundown from my older friends, and they were, just, they were just out to get kids, I felt like. And maybe that's because I was young. Maybe if I went back and worked with them now, I'd feel differently. But I just felt like they were crabby and they were just they were just there to grill you. And maybe not everybody's experience is like that. But most kids in my hometown, you, I mean, you had to go up against a, a stressful situation and a crabby dude to get your driver's, driver's license. I don't yeah. know if everybody had to do that. Yeah, that would be fun, too, to, to get someone taking a road test on. We could do that during the week, maybe. Um, if and if anyone does road tests out there and wants to give us a call, 608-785-7914, the talk and text line. Um, yeah, that's part of the I don't know if that's part of the the deal that maybe that's that's what they should do. Apply this pressure. Hey, you're in a car, you need to be serious. But it's all it's always kind of like anything. If you have your boss watching over you while you're doing your job, if you're doing it alone and you're good at your job, you know, Grant, like you're gonna start the Wisco Sports Show. Again, on Monday at KTY, right? So let's say like the boss just stood out that window, like out that door and watched you the whole time. You, If he wasn't there, you'd do the show without even thinking about it. But if he stood there and watched you, maybe his arms were folded and he was just like standing out that glass door, how weird would you feel the whole time? I feel weird when people are in the studio and I'm doing my show. I, I, I need to get over it. 
because that's just the fact of being at work is there are people around. But like, I also think as I'm talking to used myself, to be, used to be. Yeah, true. There's not right now. So I'm fine. But like this show, Rick, we're talking to each other and we're talking to listeners. When I'm doing my sports show, I'm I'm essentially in there talking to myself. Yeah, you're talking into the ether. Is what yeah. I and I like. and I get into a groove. And when somebody else comes in, I feel awkward because oh, okay. talking to yourself is is weird, even though it's what I do for work. So it's kind of disruptive, but it's something I'm trying to get over. But yeah, I, I agree. When you're when the pressure's on and you got a crap old man you know writing notes down about your driving <laughs> well now all of a sudden i forget to signal and i forget to check over my shoulder and you cruise through a yield sign and it just it can be a nightmare he's a crabby old man sitting in the in the passenger seat a sleeveless shirt on a like a a, a, a arrow with a mom tattoo on his on his huge bicep and he's writing notes and glaring at staring you. me down <laughs> That's uh, that's what happens when uh, you do your show to start next week. Someone's gonna be staring you down through that window. Um, yeah, talking into uh into the into the void essentially. If nobody calls or nobody texts or it, it is sometimes a little bit unnerving. It takes a little bit of getting used to. I, I can honestly say that uh, this the last couple of weeks with you in here has been nice because you know we can we can you know throw stuff at, off each other. Uh, come next week I'll be talking into the ether again and depending on callers. So that'll be that'll be fun to uh, to try to transist back to that, but okay. So let's bring Andrea Schnick on in uh, just a couple of minutes. We're gonna break for news. Brad Williams doing the news. We'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to the Cross Talk PM six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. If you want to text Grant and myself as we talk with Andrea Schnick, the economic development planner for. Andrea, is it the city of La Crosse or La Crosse County? City of La Crosse. Oh, city of La Crosse. Okay, that, that's great. And we wanted to talk to you about uh, a couple of different things. But first off, obviously, with uh, the way everything is going with the virus pandemic, uh, a lot of businesses, you know, closed or having to change things up how they did. The city, you know, has this small business relief grant program. Do you? I don't know if you have an official name for it. But essentially, okay, small business relief grant grant program. I I use business with Z's though. Do you guys use Z's or not? We use S's. Oh, okay. No, that's not as fun. But um, all right. So, but where where are you guys with with that grant program? And and I don't know. Do you, I don't know if you have numbers in front of you or 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 are people getting cash yet? How's that working? Not yet. I have numbers in the top of my head, though, for you. So we we launched this program on April 10th after the council approved it the evening before at the, at the April council meeting. So we had two weeks for applicants to send in all the information for their application. We are in the process of finalizing the first round, which we hope to be the first round of awards. Uh, we have $350,000. We received 114 grant applications. And out of that, the requests were a little bit over $1.1 million. So we have, as I mentioned, the first round of $350,000 that we hope to to announce at the end of this week. And then we will be requesting additional funding from the council at the May council meeting. Okay, so you got about $1.1 million, people, or million requested, and we only have $350,000. Is that right? Right. So out of the $1.1 million, there's about, probably about... 700,000 in legitimate requests, meaning if someone had a one-person business that they were requesting $25,000, that would be a difference because we're, we our, our parameters of the grant program were $5,000 per 10 employees. Oh, okay. Um, so what, what kind of snags have you, you run into aside from that? The, the, there's a, a, you know, a little bit of a gap in funding, and, and you probably 
uh, you know, okay, what, how, how do you, you close that gap? Let's just go there. Well, we, we do, the city is receiving additional funding through the CARES program. So we are an entitlement community, meaning we receive community development block grant funding. And with that allocation, we already have identified small businesses as a need for our CDBG funding throughout the past several years. So we're planning to allocate additional funding from that program would be our, our primary resource. To, okay. fill, to fill that gap. Okay, the CARES program is the, the like the federal government small business, right, the, the funding? Correct. Okay, do you know how much money this, the, the, our area or the state has gotten through that CARES program? Um, I don't know the exact amount. Our, our CDBG funding is managed by Caroline Gregerson, our community development administrator, so she'd know that number off the top of her head. But I believe we're looking at about 175000 towards the small business program from the funding that the city is receiving. Okay. And that doesn't seem like a ton. I mean, 175,000, if we're, if, if we're talking about, uh, you know, federal funding through to, to the city of La Crosse or La Crosse County, right? Through the city of La Crosse. Correct. Okay. We receive, the city receives its own, own allocation, regardless of what the county receives. Okay. Um, now you had 114 applicants. Did, did you have to turn anyone away? Yeah, we did receive a handful of applicants outside of the city of La Crosse. So the application is only, or the program is only available to businesses actually located and registered in the city of La Crosse. So that was a few of them. Um, we looked at any kind of delinquencies in taxes. So if they were not paying any of their property taxes or utility bills, we did give them the opportunity to pay up on those. So there are some that still have not have not completed that obligation. So we had that was part of our requirement that there are no unpaid debts to the city as well. Okay. And any idea how many, like the 114 number, does it get cut? Do you know what it got cut down to then? Well, I think our first round to get to the 350,000, I think there are maybe 50 applications, 50, 50 businesses that we will be awarding grants to in this first round. Okay. Um, and then, you know, to, to keep this going, what, are, what is the city going to need to do to, uh, to keep helping out with the small businesses? I guess to keep the coffers full. Sure. So a couple of things that we're doing, um, and even looking at when we released this program on April 10th, so much has changed. We're following what the SBA is doing as far as their program, so the Paycheck Protection Program and any of the Small Business Association loans. So we're seeing now some businesses getting that funding actually into their account, some of them today. So the needs from a couple of weeks ago versus today are always changing. Now, keeping in mind a few weeks ago when they applied for that program, we were at a different deadline for the, for the safer at home. So we're paying attention to all the different federal and state changes and trying to adapt that to the small businesses. We've held a couple of small business roundtables, one last week and one just this morning, with businesses trying to get that primary data from them. What are they looking for? What do they need? What are their concerns? What do they need from the city and from the community to help adapt to not only what's happening today with having their doors closed, but to best prepare themselves for when they are able to able to reopen. Now you give up, uh, you give it out to these 50 applicants at this point. Um, do they have to have more than, what was the criteria for a small business to get the first round of this funding? So they had to be under 75 employees. So we wanted to really, really key into those small business lacrosse businesses, those smaller lacrosse businesses. And that was really, the, they had to demonstrate a need. So if, and to, in the application, tell us how they were impacted by the closures or any of the other restrictions with COVID-19, what they needed to best prepare themselves to reopen. So if they were looking for 
funding for PPE. That was that was obviously something that we wanted to be able to help. Any other way that they needed to, they felt that they needed to modify their current business operations for the changes that we're currently encountering. Okay, and then so under seventy five, and I, I heard you say something like, oh, "Was there an over ten employees stipulation, or was that no, just there was no there was no minimum of employees, but the it was we we're basing off the grant, but basing the grant award using the threshold of for every ten employees receiving five thousand dollars. Oh, okay, so we're that... looking at full time equivalent employees, and that was more of our baseline for how we looked at what their need was, what what other their score, what their what their scoring was, and then using that dollar amount as a baseline for what we're awarding. So a, a, a company with, you know, five, 70 employees would get 30, 70 times $5,000 or there was a or cap 10. of 25,000. So oh, 25,000 was the maximum. Okay. I, I did the math wrong there, but you, you explained it without having to do <laughs> I knew math. where you're going with it. So the maximum, do you know how many companies got the max $25,000? Um, real, real yeah, picky I don't questions. know off the top that I don't know off the top of my head, but there were a couple that were you know, up closer to that 20,000, 25,000. Okay. Um, yeah. Is there anything else I'm missing? You know, the, can people still apply for this? How do they apply? Uh, you know, and then uh, you know, how long before these businesses start to see funding? We we will likely announce the award by the end of this week, and then we'll do our best to get the paperwork necessary that we need on both ends, and then our, uh, the funds for this first round are available immediately. Um, we will just take it as it comes. We're com- going to continue to talk to these businesses, see what the businesses need. Obviously, balancing the city's budget overall, we want to continue that conversation with the small businesses letting us know how things are changing and letting us know how we can help fill in those gaps. All right. We're talking with Andrea Schnick, the economic development planner for the city of La Crosse. She's been there four years. Andrea, how, how crazy has this maybe the last couple of months been compared to the, you know, last 3.9 years? <laughs> it's, it's definitely been different. I really appreciate the opportunity that I've had to speak with all of the businesses and reach out and let them know that we're here for them and in whatever way, in whatever capacity, if that's, just support, listening to them, helping communicate their needs to the state and to the federal government as well. Okay, and I did. I don't remember if you said exactly, but people can still apply for this, right? And then do they just navigate the City of La Crosse website? No, so actually the, this application period is closed, but we, as we continue to have those conversations, we'll assess needs for possibly additional applications, additional rounds of this program. Okay, so yeah, you'll you'll let the media know, and the media will put it out there if we can keep going, of keep course. going with that. Um, do you have time to come back in about five minutes to talk about Riverpoint, or, or do you have to go? No, that's fine. I can talk again. Okay. Well, we're going to break for news. We're going to make Grant do the news again. And Scott's comments coming up after that. We'll talk about the Riverpoint District with Andrea Schnick from the City of La Crosse after this on Wizzup. All right, welcome back to La Crosse Talk PM. Andrea Schnick's going to rejoin us now. We're going to change things up just a little bit. Andrea is the economic development planner for the City of La Crosse. She's been doing that the last four years. And kind of fighting through a pandemic and and dishing out small business relief loans, a small business relief grant program is is just kind of ended the first round anyway, hoping for a, for another round if if funding's available, right, Andrew? That's kind of the key. That is correct, based on how funding and the continued need. Okay, and then just uh, moving on from that, there's uh, I guess it will be called the old mobile oil site. I don't know if a, a, you know maybe. 
I don't really know what that is because I wasn't around when there was a, a mobile oil site. So, but that's kind of what we always been calling it, but we're, we're changing that name. I think how many times have we changed a name now? It's going to be the River Point District, the kind of a business district here just north of downtown. Sure. So, it, yeah, it is River Point District. Some people may know it as, as, as its previous name of Riverside North, but River Point District is the name we're moving forward with. Okay. And where are we with that? Because, again, with the way everything is, and I don't know how much the city has invested in this already or if it's on the hook for, for some more funding. But, but again, like, do we need to allocate funding for, for one thing versus another at this point? Uh, where, where are we with River Point District? So a little bit of background for you and some of the listeners that may not know. The city has been working on this project for well over 20 years um, by acquiring property along the river. So this is 65 acres just north of the La Crosse River that's bound by the rivers and also Copeland and Causeway. So there's been a lot of environmental cleanup, a lot of planning for the infrastructure, a lot of engineering work that's already been done. Um, we have been working with a group out of Milwaukee called Wired Properties. So we were we selected them as the master developer of this site. And this was after a charrette process in 2014 by the community, where the community gave a lot of input on what they felt they wanted to see on this. And out of that development, out of that charrette process, the community really said they wanted a lot of housing. So this would be majority housing, but obviously um, opportunities for businesses and some commercial activity in that area as well. I think so Andrea. The plan was, I'm sorry. I think if we just put a Chipotle in the middle of all that housing, we'll be good. I would not object to that at all. <laughs> I love Chipotle. But but go uh, on. So, I, I interrupted you. So, so that's okay. So the the plan was to continue to do engineering throughout the next year or so, and not see development until probably the end of this year. Sometime more likely in 2021 has always been that plan. We did, through the Redevelopment Authority meeting last week, had Blair Williams, the head of Wired Properties, attended virtually that, that meeting virtually, and he's been keeping in contact with a lot of the interested parties, the housing developers, the commercial developers, and he's telling us that all those developers remain extremely interested, if not as much as they were before this outbreak, but probably even more so now. They're, they're seeing a lot of communities similar to La Crosse that are more attractive to developers, due to the smaller size, due to in La Crosse, obviously with our wonderful medical institutions and them being on the forefront of what's happening with COVID-19, those are becoming, communities like La Crosse are becoming even more attractive to those developers and hopefully even more attractive to people who are looking to move to La Crosse, start their businesses in La Crosse, and even come here for one of our higher education institutions. Now, I know you've only been here for four years, but do you, when you kind of start digging into this project, do you go, why has this been sitting around for 20 years? Like, we should be getting this going. This is riverfront property. This is, uh, you know, this beautiful town that we live in, and, and it just seems like uh, everybody should be flooding to this area. Not literally, but it is kind of flooding sometimes. <laughs> right. Well, well, part of that is to get it out of the floodplain, so it isn't flooding. But, yeah, I, I completely understand what you mean. It is a very attractive area in the, in the city. A lot of people, when they drive down Copeland, they just see a fence and some grass and don't even understand the magnitude of the beauty of that area. There are some wetlands there. There's already a walking path. So also being a planner, understanding these things take time, that there are a lot of environmental – there were a lot of environmental issues with the previous industrial uses. So having to be patient and doing this right, and that's what we'll continue to do. It's very likely this this could be somewhat of a couple months delay. 
no one knows how things, quickly things are going to change, but knowing that we're continuing to move forward with the engineering and the planning for this, we feel very confident that we're on the right track for the development. Now, the, the group is called Wired. That's one of the development groups. Can you explain exactly what their job is with this? And is the city paying them to do something, or are they paying the city to have the land? Um, we are paying them. They are the master developer, so they're working with other development agencies throughout the state, throughout the region, to basically the, the term they use is to curate the site, so to get the site development ready. So looking at what the best design would be, what would the layout of the buildings be, how should the roads go, and then working with SEH, which is a local engineering group here, on the planning of that, the planning of the utility. So doing kind of more of that behind-the-scenes work to get this to get this project on track. And how big of a get is getting wired for this? Because they're the, they're the group that was working around the Bucks Arena, right? The new Bucks Arena? Exactly, and they just won a great architecture award in the state of Wisconsin for the work that they did in the Bucks Arena. Bucks Arena. Okay, so this is kind of a cool, kind of a big get for lacrosse, right? Yeah, we did a, a very large vetting process of several different groups that were interested um, in being the master developer. And, and Wired, we don't anticipate, will by any means develop the whole site themselves. They, it's very likely they may develop a portion of it. But we want to see a mix of local developers, regional developers, and maybe even national developers that are actually the, the final developers of the site. Yeah, do you have any pull in getting a Chipotle in there or not? <laughs> I, I know from experience working with businesses that are looking at the city that businesses are always looking at the city. It's very possible that they, we might not fit into their metrics at this point, but I'm doing everything I can to <laughs> reach out to businesses. When I hear from communities and Chipotle being one of my favorites as well, um, trying to get those types of places in lacrosse. You heard it here. Andrea Schnick, the economic development planner, just using the mobile oil site for her own uh, personal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, 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 is, that is not true. I hear that from a lot of people. But we also do love our local small businesses. That's what we're, That's the bread and butter. That's the backbone of our community is encouraging the small businesses. So we have you know, the Burritos House and the BA Burritos and all those places that we love equally as much. I'm just giving you crap. Um, okay, so so I, I, we've talked about, not you and I, but some people here at work have talked about this, uh, just kind of changing gears here. So we have this north side, this River Point, River Point District, just north of downtown La Crosse. But when you look at, like, just south of downtown La Crosse, you know, where we have Isle La Plume and there's the, the recycling place. Do you ever, has there ever been discussion on getting rid of all that or moving that garbage, essentially, uh, somewhere else so that we could develop that land? Because that seems like awesome land to that should be developed and not be a recycling center and basically a waste dump. Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the, one of the hard, hard, things to get over with that area is that it, it literally was a previous landfill. So there are a lot of environmental issues on possibilities of what could go there. And then with the constrictions that we have with the, with the city of La Crosse, we'd have to relocate a lot of that. So obviously the wastewater treatment plant, that's a huge infrastructure investment for the city of La Crosse. So I don't know. I don't even know what it would, I can't even begin to fathom what it would take to relocate that, but also with the municipal vehicle, um, area there that we have. Yeah, we're, we're definitely keeping that in mind. Um, the city is in a partnership with Gunderson with a group called the Joint Development Corporation, and that's an area that that organization has looked at as possibilities for some other sort of redevelopment there, too. So it's definitely always on the radar to do something else with Isle of Plume. 
Yeah, and I remember a few years ago we we did a story just on I don't know the conditions of the the weather or the the time of the year, but the dog park there, it, the glass and garbage would seep up from the ground, which was pretty hazardous for the dog park because obviously dogs are in there. Um, so when you talk about that place being a former landfill, that's probably one of the issues. Absolutely, and I know that that's been an issue for the Parks and Recreation Department, too. That's on, that's on their radar to do what they can to clean that up. Um, with the River Point District, so what are we doing right now? Are we just dumping a bunch of sand there to get it out of the, the floodplain, or is there, are we beyond that point? That is still happening as well, making sure that it's, that's good quality fill. We have fill from a couple of different resources, but it is going to take quite a bit to raise it out of a out of the floodplain to a level to a level that we're comfortable with developing on, and then continuing the engineering work, continuing our outreach to local communities, to regional communities, or sorry, to companies, local companies, regional companies on on people who are interested in either being residents or having a business there or being somewhat involved on whatever level in River Point District. So keeping that line of communication open, keeping them updated on our development timeline, and just keeping everybody interested as we continue to do the work behind the scenes of the engineering and everything else that needs to be done. Is that engineering process, you talked about a couple months hold, and I think that the overall consensus would be everything's going to be on. But are, are we dumping money into that into the River Point District right now, or are we are we also putting stuff like that on hold because because money is tight right now. Well, the the River Point District is managed by the Redevelopment Authority, so they have kind of their own sources of funds and allocations. Um, so so I would wouldn't use the word dumping money, which has to me somewhat of a negative connotation. It's an investment that we're making in that development, knowing that in the future when that is up and running, it's going to bring a lot of tax base into the city based on up to 700 homes, and if you think about the property tax revenue that that would have, and we would have the residents living in that community that likely would come from other areas, and them contributing to our economy, it really is a win-win for the city and for our community as a whole. Um, do you, do you, would you have any idea of what the, I know there's nothing set in stone, but a percentage of, it would be a percent residential versus a percentage business in that area? I don't necessarily have a percentage, but I would say it, it would be largely residential, but along Causeway and some of those those major arteries, and obviously with cause, sorry, um, Causeway is already more industrial with S&S cycles there, but along Copeland would likely be more of a commercial area, so more of the residential with actually within the development project, and then also making sure that we're keeping that shoreline, keeping the water access open to the public so there would be continue to be open space there access possibly a, a, a harbor of some sort um, but making sure that that there are things there within that development that are attractive to all people so whether you're working there living there or just want to recreate there yeah definitely keeping it uh, you know for the public to be able to enjoy the riverfront uh, people that live there they can also enjoy the riverfront but they just you know you're going to live there for the views and you can go outside over there too but like let everyone else use it as well Absolutely. That's something that's extremely important to us in this community is that the access that we have to river to the river here is such a highlight that brings people here. We want to continue to give them that access and make that public space. And I use the phrase dumping money because I'm a Neanderthal and that's the best the best way I can uh, I could say that. But when it comes to, you know, uh, investing in this, has anything been put on hold and, and stuff like the lacrosse center as well, where 
you know, I, we're talking about trying to fund small businesses in one way or the other. But on the flip side, we're trying to develop uh, areas of uh, the city th- that the city owns. So has any of that stuff been like paused or rolled back a little bit? Not that I'm aware of, although I'm obviously not the finance director nor the lacrosse center director. I imagine that they are having those kinds of conversations if there's any kind of adjustment. But I'm, I'm sure they're also taking into consideration the cost of construction and the labor shortage that we had previously and how that may change once things start to come back to, I guess, normal is the, is the only term that I can think of, even though I don't think that anything's going to be normal after this. But knowing that the cost of construction materials was already very much increasing rapidly before this all happened, so they want to take into consideration there's that momentum moving forward with the development right now. How would that change if things completely drastically change in the cost of construction and with our labor issues? Sure. All right, Andrea, is there anything I didn't ask you? I know we were just kind of all over the place, and, and but I appreciate you coming on and, and kind of breaking everything down. Um. I, I think those have all those are all very good questions. Okay, uh, good. I got a I got an A plus then, um, but no, you got an A plus. <laughs> Thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, and, um, yeah. You know, maybe we'll we'll talk to you again as, as things develop. That would that would be great. Thank you, Rick. All right, that was Andrea Schnick, the economic development planner for the city of La Crosse. We broke down the small business relief grant program that. 114 applications. I think we dished out. I think she said about 50 people got got uh, accepted, and 350 thousand uh, dollars went out to some of the small businesses in our area in the city of La Crosse. And then we talked about the River Point District. But uh, let's break. Let's take that last break, Grant. We'll come back after this. I was. All right, welcome back to La Crosse Talk PM. Just a couple of minutes left here, and I know we've got a couple of callers. Uh, I believe number three is going to be. I believe number three is on, and he definitely wants to talk about probably the River Point District, right? Number three. Hey, you two dudes had a pretty interesting show there today. All right, excellent. I learned a lot about about. Uh, do you have any good uh, driver's license stories? For no, us? I don't. I think it's really stupid to give somebody a driver's license if they haven't taken a road test. Oh, you think so? But but don't you think the parents are are trusting enough? The, if the, no, if the, I don't. No, I don't. But that ain't the reason I call. I, I heard the gals say that that the city is cutting down on things, and I believe it because the other day Gary called me up and said they went from $6 million where the big boats are going to go down a riverside down to two. So I think that's a smart move by the city to quit spending money foolishly at this time of the game. Did she say that? I feel like she didn't say that. Well, she said... Uh, they're cutting down on different things. Okay. They're going to have to cut down on different things because there isn't enough money in the pot, I don't think. So reading between the lines, this is one thing when it went from $6 million to 2 so that sounds real good to me. I think the $6 million that you got might have just been off a little bit, and Gary corrected you. Well, the $6 million I got was on the uh, Internet that was put out by the city, showed the plans and everything they wanted to do to it, and that was $6 million. So I did have... Uh, information from the city of La Crosse. Okay, you found it on the internet. What they put out is their business, you know, I mean, what they think it's going to cost. So it went from six to two, so I'm happy. Yeah, that's that's fine. Uh, what do you think of this River Point district? It's, it's been like a, a barren wasteland probably since you've been here. Well, it's, it used to be the old mobile oil site, so uh, it must be, a, land must be very good up there because 
the city of La Crosse paid Wettstein one over $1 million for that piece of land where those mail trucks sit. You ever go north toward the north side from the south side and see all those mail trucks sitting there? Um, I can't. I, I'm not really sure what. Nope, I have no hey, idea. Well, their guys got them stored there as mail trucks from La Crosse. He hauls up to Minneapolis. We paid over $1 million for that. And then we paid $650,000 for the old uh, uh, print shop there that going in off of 3rd Street and 4th Street. Yeah, coming right down. Coming right yeah, downtown. Yeah, we paid yeah. over six hundred and fifty. So it must be a going thing because the city's sure spending money on that. So yeah, we got to we got to eat up all that. We got to eat up all that uh, land so that, that it can I be think one we entity. Just dredge in that land. Dredge it in instead of hauling make, it. Make it a boat harbor. Check with the DNR. Could be a boat harbor, right? No, you, you and your boat harbors. <laughs> we're going to have chicken dinners on the boat harbor. Remember? <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks for, thanks for the call, number three. I'm always giving you crap. Nice to talk to you, number three. Um, all right, do, do we got is Eric still there? We can get Eric real quick. Yeah, Eric, are you still there? Hey, it's, uh, it's Charrett. Then you talk about this river point thing. That was a joke of the gas, a joke down. And uh, I was going to ask you one more thing. When's Newt coming on again, your buddy, Mr. Knudsen? Knudsen, it's, it's, uh, on, he's on vacation, so... He's uh he'll be on he'll be on in a day next month. Um, does Eric ever agree with anything? Like the River Point District is a joke. Did he just say that? Like it's not even a thing yet. You'd hack the River Point District. That's what Eric has to say about <laughs> your River Point District. I, I just see like it's just going to be a bunch of houses and and some small businesses probably in there, and hopefully a Chipotle. Like I can't get I can't I'm, get over. I'm it. down for a Chipotle. I, yeah, I just don't I don't understand why Chipotle can't come. There's two Chipotles like within a mile in Rochester, within a mile of each other. Why can't there be one in lacrosse? I don't get it, man. Dude, I don't get And, like, nothing against Chipotle. I like Chipotle, or uh, nothing against Qdoba. I like Chipotle so much more. So much more. And people are like, oh, it's the same thing. No, it's not. It's not the same thing, all right? We should have both. We we live in a society. Now I sound like a caller to the show and not a host. I mean, we got a couple of different burrito places, but I will say this. Uh, officers dispatched to uh, the U.S. Bank building downtown. I'm not sure if this was last night. Uh, a couple having sex in the flower bed. We'll leave you with that. See you guys. <laughs>